0: In John chapter 14. And uh, we are just going to cover two verses today, but they are packed full of goodness. Uh, John 14 verses 12 through 14. If you found that place in your Bible. Give me a give me an amen. All right, let's start then. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. That is the word of the Lord. So thanks be to God. Uh, Like I said, a great uh, section of passage, uh, powerful two verses that we have before us today. And my job is to uh, try to um, communicate, break that down for you and communicate it. you an application for it so be praying for me um here jesus is telling the disciples to uh, trust him and as we talked about last week at the beginning of john chapter 14 jesus begins to tell them about what's about to happen in its entirety Uh, not that he hasn't already told them everything but he continues to remind them and he reminds them of of what's coming up and that is his crucifixion and uh there's a lot of trouble in their in their minds and in their hearts when they hear about the crucifixion. They hear about Judas betraying him, and they also hear about Peter denying him. So the disciples are just kind of you know they're they're trying to make sense of it all, and uh, there's just a lot of trouble in them. And Jesus senses that. So in John chapter fourteen, he begins to tell them not to not to feel trouble, uh, not to feel anxious uh, that he is there with them, and uh, all this that is happening has a purpose behind it. And God is driving all of it. And and what God has started, he's going to carry it on to completion. Uh, So that's what John chapter 14 uh, begins. And and, and that's how it kind of just, you know, continues to, uh, it it rolls through all the way through chapter 17, Jesus encouraging the disciples. But uh, here, uh, Jesus has just finished telling them about heaven, essentially, and telling them that, uh, basically that heaven is a real place, it's prepared for them, and uh, that, that Jesus, at the end of the age, will come back and take them to be with him. And that promise is not only for the disciples, but it's also for all who believe in his name. Uh, that promise is for us, too, as well. So right after this, Jesus tells the disciples to trust him about what he is saying. Uh, he, he says to trust him, and he gives them two reasons to trust him. He says, first of all, trust me by my, because of my word... And if you can't do that, then trust me because of my works. And it's interesting that Jesus points to those two things because his word and his works—they're um, essential because they bear witness to his deity. They bear—they bear witness to the fact that he is the son of God and also the savior of the world. But not only that, his word and his works—they bear witness to his truthfulness and also his loyalty to us. That's why Jesus can say, "Do not let your hearts be troubled." That basically that I, where I go, I am going to prepare a place for you and I'm going to come back for you. We can trust him because he is completely, he is completely truthful and he is completely loyal. He is God and what he says he has done, he will complete. And that is the promise that as, as we read these things in the Bible, we can celebrate the fact that even though we haven't seen these things come to fruition, they will one day because God is truthful And because he is completely loyal. It's part of his holiness. It's part of who he is. So the same command applies to us today. We must trust the Lord's word. And we also must trust his works. um, In order for us to live out our lives as living servants. But when I talk about the Lord's works. What do I mean? The Lord is working today. Just as he worked in scripture. He is working today. He has never stopped working. So his works. Is, is his providence in our lives and how he has governed our lives, how he has helped us, how he has carried us and how he sustains us every single day. These are the works that I'm talking about. So we need to look at his word and then we also need to look at how God has dealt with us throughout our whole life. And, and, and we know we can trust that because we know that we're here in this particular spot on this particular day not because of anything... We've done not that we're smart enough, strong enough, or anything else like that, but we're here by the grace of God. So we can go back to His Word, and we can also go back to His works. Then, um, within this passage, after He talks about that, uh, this passage comes at, at a great time because within this passage, Jesus transitions to talking about prayer. And if if I tell you what, if you weren't a praying person before uh, 2020. Uh, you're probably a praying person now, right? With everything that's happened, everything that we've gone through this year. Uh, that's one of the wonderful things about this year. So much craziness has happened, but it's pushed us to be in prayer to the Lord. Uh, it, it's pushed us to be, depend on him because even though we don't see it day to day, we finally realize like this this is all crazy and we're not in control of it and somebody else is. And we need to pray to him. So uh, this comes at a at a good time because... As he continues to discuss his works, it leads to a teaching about how God works, how, how God's works and our prayers relate to one another. And it's, it's extremely um, in, important to us and impactful to us because of what we have uh, going on right now. So through uh, today's passage, uh, we're going to see how prayer is so powerful and how it's so effective uh, for the work of God that it is a necessity uh, for the Christian to pray, It is an absolute necessity for us to be in prayer. Um, first of all, I want to start off with verse 12, and I, and I want to show you how faith and prayer are in themselves a necessity for us to do works. And then we'll talk about prayer um, and, 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 and what it means for us to, uh, to pray and what it means for God to answer our prayers. So first, let's talk about f- faith and prayer as a necessity in order for us to do works. Uh, look, look at verse 12, and uh, it, while you're looking at verse 12, uh, we, we need to know that in order, for the, the, in order for works to be accomplished by us, in order for us to be able to do anything for God, and that's what I mean by works, things that the Holy Spirit does in us. So in order for us to uh, do works and accomplish these works, Jesus establishes that we must do all things by number one, faith, and then we must do all things through prayer. And we see that in verse 12. Take a look. It says, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. That's Jesus speaking to the disciples. He's saying that's where it starts. That is the faith aspect. He says, whoever believes in me. Now, he didn't say whoever, whoever asked me to do something I will do. It's very specific as to whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. So what does that tell us? Well, it tells us that if we are going to do godly things, it starts with belief in Christ. If we do not have a a foundation, that foundation, if it's not Christ, then we have no foundation at all and we cannot please God. So it begins with that. Works, in order for us to do works for God, we must first have faith in his son. Faith in his son leads to the correct faith in God, faith in the Holy Spirit. And then, and then it just it kind of just goes from there. But we must establish that faith, it must be in his son. He says, whoever believes in me will also do the things that I do. Then in verse 13, he talks about prayer. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Even in verse 13, do you see how it points back to Christ? It goes back to him. He says, whatever you ask in my name. So it's faith in Christ and prayer through Christ that we are able to accomplish anything for God. What Jesus said here is true because, again, we can point back to his truthfulness and his loyalty, but what he says here is true because we can look at the life of the disciples from this point forward and we can see how they were able to do mighty works for the Lord, how they were able to further the gospel, further the kingdom of God, And they did this by the preaching of God's word, but they also did this through what they did, too, to support the preaching of his word. So uh, as we see the disciples turn into the apostles, we see that their works were based on faith in Christ and also in prayer. And we see that example over and over and over again in Scripture as we look through the New Testament. Now, that teaches us something. Listen, you and I... We may plant the seed, we may plant the seed, we may water the seed, but we must understand that it is God who causes the growth, right? So you and I, we can do our best effort in works, but we must understand that everything depends on the will of God and also in in, in his, his work that takes place in us. So you and I, we cannot accomplish any good work outside of Christ, that's true for us, and that's also true for them. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For it is God who works in you. Did you hear that? It's not, it is you who does all this good works. It says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That's Philippians 2, 13. That's the words of Paul as he's describing how God works in us and how we accomplish anything for God. It is God who works in us. Well, when I read that, my mind goes to what is works? What is a work? Um, what, is, what does it mean here uh, when Jesus says, if you believe in me, you will do the works that I do? Well, we can look at works and we can translated to deeds and and we can come to understand that here it's not just speaking about miraculous things. A lot of people look at this passage and they think, well, okay, well if I believe in Christ, then that means I can do the miracles that he did. Good luck with that, right? So so is that what it's really talking about? Does it include some of that? Sure. But what is works? What is it, what is it getting? What is the Bible saying about works, and, and what does it mean here uh, to say that we can do the works that Christ did? Well, here, I believe that Jesus is speaking about all good things here, all good and godly things as works, and not just miracles. Things like uh, caring for one another. That's a wonderful work of God, isn't it? To care for one another, uh, to work towards unity, to, to seek genuine fellowship. All that, all that is involved in caring for one another. And I tell you what, our church needs a lot of that. And the church, the universal church needs a lot of that. But you know what? That's not extravagant in most people's eyes. They don't see that as, okay, this is what Jesus is talking about. But this is what matters. Caring, correcting one another in love, counseling one another, loving, rebuking, teaching, training, On and on and on, these are the works of God. These are the works of God. These are what bring about discipleship, sanctification. These things, they they bring about growth. Why? Because God is working in us to do all these things to grow his church. It's the things that happen every single day that sometimes we gloss over and we don't look at, we don't pay attention to. But those things are important. Those are the works of God that Jesus is speaking about here. So, in order for us to minister to his church, we must believe in Christ as Lord and we must depend on him through prayer. Because, look, there is a lot to do. There's a lot to do within, not only within. The world, as as far as our Christian mission goes and, and what we're supposed to do to evangelize the world, there is a tremendous amount of things to do within His church. And we honestly, we need everybody exercising their spiritual gifts in order for us to be effective, as effective as we can be for the Lord. Why? Because the Spirit works that way. We are told that we are all different parts, we make up one body. You are essential. You are an essential part of the body. When you're not doing your part, then that part is not getting done. So we need to make sure, we need to make sure that we know our part in doing God's work. And God's work is not just miracles, it's things that we should do uh, within our Christian fellowship on a day-to-day basis. So, again, in order for us to minister to his church, we must believe in Christ as Lord, and we must depend on him in prayer. Why? Well, because the Bible tells us that without faith, number one, without faith, we cannot please him. So we need that. And the Bible also tells us that without him, we can do nothing. So if we don't have faith, we can't please him. If we don't pray to him, then we can do nothing. He is our source for everything. So that's how faith and prayer that's how they, 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 um, they connect to one another and, and that's how they relate to uh, works and how they are a necessity for works. So I want you to look at your own life and I want you to look at your own ministries. And when I say ministries, I'm pointing to your life because your life is your ministry. And I want you to analyze how effective is your ministry? How effective have your works been? And if if, if you take an honest look at your life and you say, well, I need some serious improvement, then I want you to understand why you need that improvement. Are you lacking in faith in Christ or are you lacking in prayer? And I guarantee it's connected to one of those two things. So we need to be we need to be faithful, full of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to be constant in prayer so that we can do the works that Christ does. So once we get that connection, then we come to understand how important prayer is. Because, I mean, faith is essential. But when we talk about doing the works of, of God and making a difference, prayer, prayer is a necessity. Prayer is, as the title of the sermon goes, prayer is both powerful and effective. And we need to understand that. Um, first of all, let's talk about the power of prayer in verse 12. See, with faith in Christ, we need to understand that prayer is powerful, more powerful than we actually realize. Look at verse 12 again. Jesus says, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. We talked about that. Now let's look at the second half. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Now, when we look at this verse, this is what we would call a controversial verse because it's it's interpreted in several different ways, and I can think of at least two ways that I can bring up to you this morning. Um, People see this as one as this way or another. Uh, First of all, they say that Jesus is speaking about us doing mighty, mightier miracles than 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 he did. Okay, that's one interpretation. That Jesus is saying that if we have the faith and 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 Uh, We we pray and we pray through His name that we can do mightier miracles than what He did. Okay, number two, Jesus. People think that Jesus is speaking about if we had enough faith, we can do mighty miracles, or more more mighty, mightier miracles than Him. Excuse me. So there's there's an important distinction there between those two. Number one, Jesus is saying that we can do mightier miracles than He, and then the second one is people see this as if we have enough faith then we can do mightier miracles than Jesus. Now, when you look at those two, both are very hard to support for the simple fact that the Bible does not record anyone doing a mightier miracle than Christ. It's just there. Now, hey, I understand when you go through and you read the book of Acts and you see what The Holy Spirit did through the apostles and how even their shadows healed people. That was still that was still not anything compared to what Christ had done. So you're 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 witnessing, you know, the truth of of scripture is showing us these mighty works that the apostles had accomplished and none of it was mightier than Christ. So there's an issue there already. Why would Christ be promising something that was not going to be fulfilled? So he's not pointing to the fact that we're going to do mightier miracles in him. But there there is something that we are doing greater. And the only reason why we are doing it greater is because we have him as our intercessor. And we'll get that to we'll get that we'll get there in a minute. But that's that's one of the things that's hard to support that the Bible does not record anyone else doing mightier miracles in Christ. Also, the faith spoken about here is not. It's not a specific amount of faith that is needed in order for uh, a work to happen. There's a lot of people who have that perception uh, about, about faith. Well, if I have enough faith, then what I'm asking for will come to pass. Well, let me ask you this. What is enough faith? I, I don't know what that is. How can, we, how, can, how, how can we see that? How can we measure that? What is enough faith? How do we know when we have enough? I guess the easy thing to do is that, well, if whatever I pray for didn't happen, I guess I did not have enough faith. But how exhausting is that? What's the need for Christ if, it, if, it, if the amount of faith is dependent on us and what we have? I thought that's what Christ died for. He was enough. It is finished. Right? So people have the perception that they need a certain amount of faith in order for God to answer their prayer. I, I, I pray that is not true. In fact, I, I, I know that is not true. If that were the case, then none of my prayers would be answered because I tell you what, I try my very best to have a, a good measure of faith, but there are times when I am praying and I'm doubting I'm doubting that this is going to be answered. Especially when it's something difficult over my head and I cannot put my, my, I can't wrap my head around it. I, I, I can't grasp it. I can't understand it. I'm doubting. I'm saying, Lord, I believe. I help my unbelief. It can't be that. But I tell you one thing, it can be. When Jesus is speaking about faith, it's not pointing to a specific amount of faith that we have in Christ, but rather it's pointing to the sincerity of your faith in him. That's what it's pointing to. Do you truly believe that he is the son of God and the savior of the world? That's the measure of faith that we need to have. The answer for that needs to be Yes, I do believe that. And even though I don't understand what's going on in my life right now, even though I can't can't really handle this problem, and even though I have doubts that God is going to answer this prayer, I still believe that Christ is my Lord and my Savior, and I rest in that. That's the faith that it's speaking about. And that's the faith that we, that you and I, need. So, again, Jesus is not speaking about us doing mightier miracles than he. When we speak about faith, it's a matter of if we believe in him or not. And remember, remember what Jesus said about faith. Even, even, with, the faith, even with faith the size of a mustard seed, Jesus can work with that. And for many times, ours is a lot less. So since this doesn't mean that we will perform greater miracles in Christ, then here's the question. What does it mean? Well, the works Christ refers to here are spiritual works. We talked about that in the opening, right? These are things that the church needs to do for, they, they need to do for one another on a daily basis. So these are spiritual works and there are primarily works of what we would call regeneration, we recall whenever we have a new heart and God changes our hearts and we begin to love the things that God loves and we begin to hate the things that he hates. Well, the thing that he hates is sin. The thing that he loves is good good works, or in other words, good fruit. So we begin, as our hearts are regenerated, we begin to do the things that he loves, and we love those things as well. Also, when the gospel is proclaimed... Through the Holy Spirit, this is the mightiest work of God. It is a beautiful thing, and we pass over it every single time. You see, we need to understand that Sunday in, Sunday out, if you go to a church that preaches the gospel, that is a mighty work of God. Because that is doing more than any miracle could do. And this is the work that Jesus is speaking about here. Greater works will he do. He was talking about the church. He was talking about the apostles. He was talking about the church. Jesus says that these works will be achieved by every person. Look at verse 12. It wasn't just the apostles. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. You go back to the very beginning of the sentence and it talks about whoever believes in me. So this is not Peter, James, John. These are not the mighty apostles that he's only speaking to. This is the regular Joes like you and I. And if your name is Joe, I apologize. But this is is you and I that he's speaking about as well. Whoever believes in Christ will do mightier works than I do. Well, you still, it's like, well, wait a second. We can do mightier works than Christ, and it's not speaking about miracles? No, listen. See, we are all sent to be witnesses through the proclamation of the gospel. And, if, and since Christ, since he ascended into heaven, there have been mightier works with that been, being done than when he was on earth. Because when we look at his earthly ministry, he he was he was with only a few people. Physically, he was only with a few people when he left. But what happened when he left, his spirit came down and began to work through every single Christian. And so the the outreach of his ministry. Of the of the kingdom of God was greater as the church went on. So more people throughout history, were saved than during the time when Jesus was actually here on earth. These are the greater works that he's pointing to. Greater works will they do. Greater works will we do. Why? Because the Son is with the Father. So are we raising people from the dead? No, we're not. And that's not what Jesus meant here either. But are we proclaiming the gospel and people hearing it and people are being saved? Yes, because that's exactly what meant in this passage about greater works will they do. Well, the only way we're able to do that is through prayer. And we have to understand that whenever we are preaching the gospel and we are praying for the lost, that it is powerful. It is powerful and it is effective because God is working. He is working through the preaching of the gospel. And he is hearing our prayers. So, we are sent, and we have a, a very important job to do, and that is to preach the gospel. It's one of the mightiest works that we can do to preach the gospel. And there is a biblical illustration of this um, in, in Luke chapter 10. Uh, turn with me there, real quick. Hold your place with uh, John 14. And turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Again, because I, I really want to, uh, really to kind of hammer this out because a lot of people look at this passage and they think, okay, well, Jesus is speaking about miracles here, mighty works, signs and wonders. And I, I want to show you that mighty works... Those signs and wonders, all that, they take a back seat to the gospel. In fact, that is the only reason why they occurred, was to support the gospel. But we we should not be looking at these things as things that we should be trying to do. The most important thing we can do is preach the gospel. Look at Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 17. This is after Jesus sends out, if you back up and look at the chapter, this is when Jesus sends out the 72 and they return. And the 72 return, it says in verse 17, with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now, this is what they went, they went, they ministered, and evidently they had a, it was very fruitful. And they were able to exercise demons. And the demons, when they, when, whenever the disciples mentioned the name of Christ, they, they responded to that. And so when the disciples came back, I mean, imagine being one of them and you're able to do this and you're seeing this supernatural stuff and you're given a report to Jesus. And the first thing you come back, it says, even the demons listen to us. Verse 18. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and all over the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Now look at verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The greatest work that we can do is to share the gospel. That's the greater work that Jesus was pointing to, that his church would share the gospel. So think about this. If you are part of a church who is not gospel centered, but you're just work centered and you're dependent on these mighty works of the Holy Spirit to maintain your faith. Then you're lost. You're lost. You're dependent on something that Christ has not told told you to depend on. He never said to depend on these mighty works. He says, depend on the gospel. Why? Because that's what the church needs. The gospel is not just for those who are lost. The gospel is essential for his church, those who are saved as well. We need to be reminded over and over and over again because we have this human nature that wants to worship ourselves. We want to do things our way. We need to be reminded of the gospel, of our purpose on earth, what we should be doing and what everything means with the backdrop of the cross. The gospel is essential. So there we see the power of prayer, but then we also see the purpose of prayer. And we see that in verse 13. See, the dependence on Christ and prayer theme, it continues on. Look at verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do. Whatever you ask in my name, if you ask me anything in my name, he says, I will do. Now, we can attest that this doesn't mean anything we want, even though some try to, to say that. But again, we can't take this passage and just, just isolate it from the rest of Scripture. When does God give us anything we want? That, that makes no sense. If, if we, imagine if we got everything we wanted, we'd be spoiled children we would not we would not need him so obviously this is not speaking about anything as in anything and everything we want again scripture does not support that and our own experience does not support that there are many times where we're thinking God that he did not answer a particular prayer because we didn't ask it in faith we didn't ask it in the right mindset So we can attest through scripture, we can also attest through personal experience. It's not speaking about anything and everything that we ask for. What it is saying is that we must associate what we pray for with the name of Christ. That's very important. Yes, prayer is powerful. And prayer is supported by faith in Christ. But we we have to remember that when we go to the Lord in prayer... We are praying in Jesus' name. You see, it's not just something that we say at the end of the prayer, it means something that is the way we are commanded to pray. We pray in Jesus' name, so that means there's a certain mindset that we have to have when we are praying in Jesus' name. Because when we initially go to God, how many redos do we have to do in prayer? If you're anything like me, I I I sit down, I sit down, kneel down, do whatever, and I start to pray. And as I'm starting to pray, I'm starting to realize how foolish my prayer is. How many of y'all do that? Yeah, I, I Scripture comes to mind, and I, I, I begin to have the the right mindset. I start off with my own mindset and what I want, my flesh wants. But as I as I'm going through my prayer. God's just reminded me of different scriptures and different things and, and different experiences from the past. And then all of a sudden, I'm just like, how ridiculous are you that you are actually trying to pray this prayer to the Lord? I have to change that prayer. Because I'm praying in Jesus' name. I'm praying to my Lord and to my Savior, who it's his will be done, not my own. So to pray in Jesus' name. It's very important. You see, because even though prayer is powerful, it's not, our own, it's not our own thing that we can use the way we want. Prayer has a purpose. Prayer is there so that God can be glorified. That's what we have to understand. But see, many are not taught that. Many are taught, well, just go ask your Father in heaven and he'll give it to you. But that's not That's not true. Listen, you only get what you get because he gets the glory and he deserves it. He deserves it. It's, it's not even something that's unfair. He deserves that and more. So we are blessed by what we have. But the only reason we have it is so that he can get the glory. So the purpose of prayer is so that the Lord's will be done and that God get Glory. So again, we must associate what we pray for with the name of Christ. In other words, anything we ask, anything we ask for that aligns with His nature and His will, it will be given to us. Anything we ask for that goes against those things, forget about it. Forget about it. That's not going to be answered. Are, are the answers going to be no? Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Those are the conditions. You have the promise, whatever you ask in my name, then you have the condition, that this, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I'll give you anything you ask for that's going to glorify the Father. If you're sitting here asking me for something that's sinful, you better forget about it. Not going to happen. But if it's going to glorify the Father in the Son, you better believe. Whatever you ask for in my name, you will receive. I think this verse is a great teacher about prayer. Because a lot of times when we go to the Lord in prayer, it's all based on emotions. And whenever we go to the Lord in prayer, we see ourselves in the right. When, it's, when, it's, when I'm talking about, um, you know, relationship to relationship, person to person. When we go to prayer, we see ourselves in the right and we see the other person in wrong. And we're just like, Lord, please show them that they're wrong. I know they're wrong. Man, just show them that they're wrong. Show them that they're, the way they're mistreating me is completely wrong and I don't deserve this. Lord, whatever they're doing to me. I want you to get back at them twofold. These are the things that we come to the Lord with. And I pray and I hope that as you're praying those things, you realize the word of God comes soon. You you realize I'm just as sinful or even more sinful than the person I'm praying against. And that I I have a lot of guilt and I've done a lot of wrong in this situation that I need to repent. You see how powerful, how powerful prayer is and how effective it is? It begins to change you. That other person may not change at all, but in the process of praying, you begin to change. You begin to see things as God sees things. You begin to see yourself and see your sin, and you're able to deal with it. That is the purpose of prayer, and prayer like that, well, it glorifies God. So, you know, let me give you an application as we go. What, what are we to do? We understand that uh, in order to do the works of God, we need both faith and we need prayer. We understand that prayer is very powerful. Uh, we also understand that, that there is a purpose in prayer and that prayer is to glorify God. So how does, how does that all work together and what can we learn from this? Number one, we must pray. That's what we can learn from it. We must pray. I had a question not too long ago. And said, Well, Pastor, if God is sovereign, why do we need to pray? And my answer to that, and it's always, this is my number one answer, because he said to. That's a great answer, right? That that, I I take that out of my parent tool bag whenever your kids say, Why do I have to do this? Because I said to, or because I said so. God said, God said in his word, you pray. It wasn't, can you pray? It's you pray. So as a follower of Christ and him as your God and as your Lord, you pray because he has commanded it. So we need to realize that we need to be praying all the time. We need to be praying all the time because, look, listen, there's a lot of sanctification that we're missing out on if we're not praying all the time. If we're only seeing things our way, we're not taking it to God in earnest prayer, there's a lot that we're missing out on because I guarantee you're not innocent of anything. We need to be praying. We need to be obedient to God who said to pray at all times. Secondly, uh, when we talk about prayer and an application for it, um, we must believe that he hears us in Christ's name. We must believe that. I know a lot of people who struggle with prayer because they just think they don't have enough faith. They don't have enough faith to even approach God. They don't have enough faith to uh, to hope that God would even hear their prayer. And I want to tell you, it d- does not depend on the amount of faith that you have. As I told you before, if you have faith in Christ, it is enough. You're never, ever, ever going to be in a part of your life where you're just like, you walk up to the throne of grace and you're just like, okay, I got this one, Lord. I, I'm full of faith with this prayer. You're always going to doubt on this side of heaven. But do, do not doubt in Christ. He is your stronghold. He is your foundation. He is the reason why your prayers get answered. Do not doubt in him. So we must believe that he hears us, not because we've done anything great, not because we've we've lived up to some kind of standard, but the only reason why he hears us is because we have placed our faith in Christ and we pray in his name. Third thing, we must be aware of what we are asking for in Christ's name. This is important. I think a lot of growth takes place in this stage when we go to the Lord in prayer. And this is when prayer becomes difficult, because if you're anything like I was whenever I was younger as a Christian, spiritually younger. It was it was just a free fall. I'd I'd pray and I just let it all out because I was taught, well, just speak to God as you would speak to your parent. Heaven forbid that. Right. But. I knew what they meant. Just basically tell them your problems. Because essentially that's what a lot of people see it as. Prayer is, I'm just going to tell God my problems. That's not, that's not prayer. You know why? Because prayer is not only, it's not only God telling God your problems, but it's also exalting, exalting him as Lord. You see, prayer is worship. It goes beyond just casually speaking to your God. It goes beyond just telling God your problems. It is full worship. So in prayer, you're not only doing those things, but you're you're also exalting God. You're bringing to mind his might, his power, his glorious wonder, his majesty, on and on and on. And you're praying these things to him and you're talking about him. You're boasting about him. Because it's just so encouraging to you. And it's so true. So we must be aware of what we are asking for in Christ's name. Remember, it's not just something that we say at the end of our prayers. We are actually bringing this to God through Christ. So if it doesn't match up with his name, then toss it out. Rethink it. Repent if necessary. And bring it to God in his name. And then the last thing, we must trust that all of our prayers are answered because Christ is interceding for us. I love the, um, the part in the passage where Jesus talks about um, him going to the Father. When he talks about, at, at the end of verse 12, he says, Greater works than these will he do, because he's talking about whosoever believes. Greater works... Uh, Will he do than these? Because I am going to the Father. I find that extremely encouraging. You See, everything we do, it's done because of Christ. And that's the only reason why it's done. But we have somebody who is interceding for us, who is representing us in heaven. I I like to think about it as as a filter. Our prayers are prayed and and it goes through Christ. And when our prayers are answered the way they are answered, or every time they're answered the way they are answered, it's through Christ. It's through his holiness. It's through his work. It's through his blood. It's through his mercy. It's through his grace. It's through all the things that he is. Our prayers go through him. And the only reason why God answers our prayers is because we have a mighty Savior who's interceding for us. Listen, this This is why it's not dependent on how much faith you have in a prayer getting answered. The only reason why we we receive any good thing is because of Christ and his finished work on the cross and his intercession for us to the Father. It's a beautiful thing. That's why we can be confident in the Lord that when we pray, hears it. He's going to answer it according to his will. It's going to be for our good and his glory. We're going to have to deal with it. Let's pray.